Greetings. And uh, thank you in advance for listening to this podcast. In the Area Podcast is a PG-13 podcast where we interview people and we collect wisdom nuggets. Today, I interviewed Joe Murphy. He was on the deadliest catch boat. Okay, he was out there catching crab and testing. One thing that I think is crazy is that when you were on it, you were only sleeping one hour, like in one hour bits. Pretty much. My first boat was not so much, actually. I usually just say that because I did on one boat. Mm. Uh, my first boat, it was a smaller boat. It was like 75 feet called the, uh, oh man, I'm, you, you I forget the boat's the name. name. The boat. Yeah, I forget it's the fine. boat's name. It'll come to you. Yeah. But uh, it was a small crew of just like five people on the whole boat and they since there was not as many people they would like lay the pots down and then they would pick them up in lines and when they lay the pots down into the water they have to wait like over a day or more it's called a soak time to let the crabs actually crawl into the pots to get the bait and then they're stuck in there mm. But not only crab go on there, there's a lot of halibut, which are flat fish. Very tasty if you've mm. never had one. Uh, coral and other crabs that you don't really want if it, you don't have that kind of license. Oh. But yeah, they would, they would take breaks. And I liked that boat because I'd get to sleep more. <laughs> yeah. But they made some really good food. Really good food. Was that dependent on the captain of the boat? How many, like what your shifts look like? Who's, who's, co who's coordinating all that? Pretty much the captain makes the decisions. Um, but the funny thing about the captain, which kind of surprised me at first, was he liked to rip some bong. He liked to rip some bong. Some bong. Yo, 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 what up? And welcome to the middle of the podcast. We're glad you made it this far. If you are enjoying this video, make sure to hit that thumbs up, subscribe button, and follow along as we interview amazing people. We'd also like to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Pilot Biscuit. Pilot Biscuit is an all-Canadian snack, and it's a cracker that you eat to get full. Pilot Biscuit. <laughs> he had a lot of weed. Like while he was driving? While he was driving and doing his job. Is that what it's called, driving? Do you drive a boat? Or is it captaining? Captaining, driving. That's a good question. I have no idea. I'm not a sailor or <laughs> anything, so I'm not really sure. But would the would the boat go extra slow after a, a nice a nice rip at the rip of the <laughs> No, no. It maybe chugging along, going up and down on these twenty to forty foot waves. Oh my god. Well, like stone like he'd be stoned? He would be, yeah, I, I a feel lot. Like <laughs> and it always smelled up there. And he actually, since it was my first boat, we're not really supposed to see people doing drugs on these boats, but it was a private boat, so he was allowed. But he didn't like me up there because... Up where? Up on, sorry, in the captain's quarters. Mm. The, the top floor where he captains. Yeah. is any, Who else is allowed up there? Uh, anyone's allowed up there. For the most part, but 
I felt like I wasn't welcome for a while just because he didn't want me to see him smoking out there. And it, yeah, my first, when we first went out, I did feel weird because it's weird to get used to the, the float, the rope, what, what do you call it? The waves. The waves. Or the swells. That, it's back and forth, you know, up and down. Uh, yeah, swash. Rocking. Yeah. You're rocking the whole time. And I couldn't sleep at all that first night or two. And I, I took boning too, which is like a, it helps with seasickness. Mm. But I went up to the top and I, because you don't see anything below deck, there's really only small portholes, but not where I was sleeping. So I went up there and just hung out with him. I tried to talk, but I just really just didn't want to feel dizzy and I yeah. didn't want to vomit. And so I just sat up there and looked out the window until I passed out. I was I passed out sitting up because I was so tired. Wow. But yeah, they weren't as they were friendly, but not as friendly as my second boat, the Pinnacle. Mm. They were great. They were fucking great. Well, yeah. And that was a bigger crew. Oh, how many people? Uh, maybe seven, and then I was the eighth. Total. Total. Including captain. Including captain. Oh, wow. That's a small crew. I thought I was thinking for some reason like 20 people. Oh, no. That boat was like 120 something feet. And they don't like that boat on the show pretty much because it looks too safe. The walls are a lot higher up on oh, the they, sides. Oh, really? When you're on the deck. Yeah. So they like the sketchy looking boats. <laughs> they want to make it deadly. Oh, man. <laughs> But that boat, since there was more people, they had shifts of three people would be going at all times pretty much on the deck and then the captain. And so I had to be present a lot. So that's the one that I didn't sleep as much on. Dang. What was the social scene like? They were a lot older gentlemen and they'd all been on that boat for more than 10 years, I think. The, the greenhorn is what they called like the newbies. But the Greenhorn had been on that boat for like seven to ten years or something. Who's the Greenhorn? Uh, it's just it's a term that they use for like newbies on boats. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. What do you know why? I don't really know the backstory of it. Greenhorns. Greenhorns. Interesting. That's what they told me. Yeah, I was a Greenhorn. <sighs> like, what would you do for fun other than sleeping? <laughs> Is that fun? That was fun when I didn't have. Oh, man. Yeah. I would uh I I had I bought a uh a little Kindle thing, so I read a lot. Nice. And the guy my first boat, I was like the top bunk in a small little boardroom. And it's it's actually kind of weird because they have like little curtains that you close because the lights are always on for the most part. So, oh yeah. You can't control the lights in your own quarter? Uh, some some might be getting up or are up based on like they like to get up a little earlier than I did because I didn't have to be out until they actually had more than I can't do like the first or the last. It has to be a random sample when mm. I have to go out on deck. And so I would wait a little bit, get a little, 30 extra minutes before I go out yeah. because I could. Cherish that, man. For the most part. But um, the guy in the second boat, 
there were four bunks or four beds in our room. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a bottom and then my stuff was on the top. It was a bigger boat, bigger room. Mm. And he had a TV, so I got to watch movies. Oh, that's sick. It was very nice. And what about the showers? How did those work? Um, the first one was weird. It was a very small bathroom. And to use the toilet, you had to like, they don't want water in the toilet when no one's in there because it, it'll slosh around and yeah. out. Yeah. And so the only way to use, you had to like go to the bathroom and then you would turn on like a valve to get the water going. <laughs> oh, was it like an air, airplane restroom in a way? Uh, kind of. You didn't. It was it was a weird it wasn't a button it was just like a weird valve you would turn on to get the water flowing got it and then you turn it off and the shower was kind of same but the second boat was like it was a bigger bathroom with multiple showers and that that was the weirdest part about sh- showering was really weird because you know you like to close your eyes when you shower yeah you don't want soap in your eyes and so like when you close your eyes. You'd be like going this way and that way, and it'd be weird because the boat's moving and you're not. Yeah. And that was like after I got over that first night um, of seasick. I never got really seasick, but I got dizzy. I thought it was worse going back on land at the end. It was called land sickness. Mm. And it was where you just, you're on flat ground and you'll be standing. And it just feels like the world is waving, like, like going, sh- oh, rocking. Whoa. And it was the worst in the showers because you would close your eyes and you'd still feel like you're on a boat, Whoa. but you're not. And so you'd, your eyes would be closed. And then you'd all of a sudden hit the side of the shower. Dude. <laughs> so you would get tossed around on the boat showers. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Get sprayed by the... Big waves on the deck. Do people care about smelling good? No, not really. <laughs> it's a ton of guys on the boat. There's all guys? There are girls on other boats for sure, but not the ones that I was on. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a hard life out there, but they make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys on the first boat was the uh, captain's son. And yeah, he would... uh tell me what he would do off season because they only work like four months or something out of the year, maybe a little more, but they make so much money. And he's like, oh yeah, I just, I go, I take my girlfriend to Hawaii and then I just buy it all on Hawaii and, the, and booze and blah, blah. And he has like two houses and a couple cars. I'm like, his dad should have taught him to save better. Well, I guess you don't have a lot of expenses out there. I mean, you're living for free, eating for free, right? For the most part. I mean, I think they all put, I don't know for sure, but I feel like they all put in money for the food on the trips and the gas and upkeep of the boats. How is the food? How how, how was it? It's, they're really good cooks. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> that's, that's nice. It's a novel, that's a treat. A lot of heavy foods. For sure, like uh, a lot of steaks, and we had we had crab one time. Mm. They don't like to eat their product for the most part. That makes sense. But there was one time 
we pulled up some king crab and they cooked them all up, put them in a salad and on the side for the steaks. And it was so wow. good. A lot of just all hearty, hearty foods that keep you going. So is it an experience that you'd want to, that you'd be interested in doing again? No. <laughs> if I got paid a lot more money, yeah. if I got paid the same amount as those fishermen, then maybe I'd consider it for sure. Well, like what were the biggest like takeaways, lessons? Were there any like life lessons that you learned on the boat? Look at a contract before you <laughs> sign it. Dude, that's a lesson, man. That's a big lesson. But um, I don't know, man. It's just hard work, it, hard life lessons and yeah. hard work. And I got through it for sure. But. but I guess you can respect the people now in that industry who are grinding out. Yeah, I definitely respect them. They work hard. They work really hard. and I feel, But I also feel bad for the people that see the show and they sell everything or they spend all their money to get up there and then they end up having to work in a fishing plant in Accutan, which is the worst place you could possibly be. It's like a tiny little island on the, do you know the Elysian chain? Looks like the tail of Alaska. Mm, yeah. It's like near, like way down near the end. Oh. It's like one of the last places and it's just a fishing plant. That's all that's there. They just process and people get, they go up to be on those boats and they get stuck there making no money, having bad food and having a terrible life and they can't get out. Because the flights are... Yeah, it's very expensive. And they don't know where they would go back to, I guess. A lot of people that do it are loners kind of. So you met a few people who kind of, you know sunk a lot of money into going up there and kind of got trapped. Yeah, I met a met a few people, but they also have like, they had like news story articles about it at some point too, pretty much. But the other people that I worked with are all scientists looking for jobs and it's a good contract job to start in for sure. Mm. Keep saying that for sure. <laughs> for sure for sure but if I could go back to Alaska and not have to work on those boats I would 100% do that so the Alaska itself was attractive oh I loved it Alaska was beautiful mm. and the people for the most part are very nice yeah I met a guy crazy small world I was going on a trip outside of Anchorage to this place called Girdwood. And it's kind of like a ski, outside a ski resort in Alaska. And I was, we were doing a brewery tour. It was like a week off and we just, we traveled around Alaska a little bit. And uh, saw this brewery that we went into and Girdwood Brewery. Shout out. Yeah. And uh, when I showed my ID to get the beer, um, the bartender was like, oh, wait, hold on a second. I'm going to go get my boss. And the boss comes out and this weird, what do, what do you call those outfits um, that people wear in Oktoberfest in Germany? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, those overall oh, man. short <laughs> things. He comes out wearing one of those. <laughs> he was a funny guy. And he's like, 
man, how you doing? And he like introduced himself. Was he German? No, no. <laughs> I found out though, he grew up five minutes from where my home was back in oh, Cincinnati. Oh, no way. Yeah. He had a small world. Yeah, and he had a pretty interesting life. It sounded like so far. He was young. He was probably late 20s or early 30s. Got it. But him and his wife moved. His wife was a traveling nurse and they traveled quite a bit around the world doing, she was working nursing. He would do odd jobs. Um, but then they found out that like if you, she got an offer to go work as a nurse full time in Alaska and they were going to offer her like fifteen or $20,000 sign on. And then Alaska also does like a, I don't know if it's for both or just family, but they pay $10,000 for you to say you'll live in Alaska full time because they want people to move there. And so they got a lot of money and he opened that brewery and now that's what he does. That's sick. So that's a pathway for some people. Mm-hmm. Move out to Alaska, start a bar. Pretty much. I mean, That's, people like to drink up there. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's one of the reasons why one my, my ex was so pissed at me all the time. <laughs> Not he, because I drank all the time. Oh, oh. She would accuse me that I was drinking too much oh. and then ended up just saying I was going to end up being a, a bum living in Alaska that was addicted to alcohol or something. Oh. I was like, I don't. I don't think so. She's like you. You'll just be a bum. You're nothing. That's not too. So she wasn't encouraging you. No, she hated that I went up there. Man, man, can we, can we put a fire in an igloo? Yeah. Can you do that? If it's, big, I feel like. Or do you have to put a hole in the ceiling? Oh, for the smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you can. You definitely can. Especially if the. I feel like if the igloo is big enough. We're like a yurt, though. There's no hole in a yurt. Where does that smoke go? Mm. Just asphyxiate. That's a weird word. (laughs) No, but I feel like Henry's hut, the yurt on top of on top of mountain. It's got like one of those pipes that stick out of the top of the yurt because there is a. So we should bring a full-on wood stove into this igloo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Provide an experience you won't forget, man. S'mores. We'll just turn it into an ice sauna. Dude, if you're doing that, I'm coming. <laughs> I kind of want. I kind of want to do it. That'd be really fun. Let's do that. <laughs> I mean, you can sauna. You'll be sweating, but then you're also getting cooled down at the same time by the dripping water. Well, yeah, you can drink that it's a source of water. Exactly. I'm let, not the yellow one though. Never the yellow. Yeah, pee on the top of the igloo, let it drip down. <laughs> but uh, do you know, like, would you know how to build one? No. I have an idea. Mm. And then we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Figure it out. Dude, that's, that's a cooch mentality if I've ever heard of one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't know how this is going to work. Oh, we'll figure it out. Figure it out. Joe and I uh, met each other through Camp Cooch. You guys have heard from Bobby. Um. Camp Cooch, Camp in International Falls. It's a wilderness wilderness quest you can find. We go on canoe trips up through Canada. Also do backpacking trips in the U.S. and climbing trips. Some big excursions. Yeah. Into the unknown. Well, yeah, the known, but the unknown for the kids. One uh, 
One question I asked Bob, and I'm curious to hear what you think, is what makes Cooch so special? Hmm. First and foremost would definitely be the connections that you make up there for sure. Mm. There it is. There it is right there. I mean, the people that I've, I mean, we met when we were juniors and I mean, I met Commissar when I was a prep and Bobby was my counselor. He, he raised me partly up there. Yeah, man. But the people you meet up there, I mean, we're still all best friends and we still know each other very well. We'll all do things together, yeah. skiing, snowboarding. We'll go on trips together. I mean, you just went on that huge trip with some of them. I know, man. So it, it is a magical place where you just form these like crazy lifelong friendships. But secondly, I think it really gets kids out of the basement playing their video games all summer and gives them an appreciation for nature and the wilderness. And that's why I chose my career path. Wow. That's sick. Environmental biology was what I majored in, and I mainly did that because of camp. Man, didn't know that. In a lot of my cover letters, I actually would say something along the lines of, I want to give back and conserve the environment as, or contribute to conservation of the environment um, so that future generations can experience and enjoy it the same way I have. Wow. There's a lot of industry that are trying to mine, I guess, uh, the Boundary Waters where we outfit a lot of our trips. And uh, yeah, it's sad. Um, uh, on our past trip, on this trip we went on over the summer, um, we had run river in particular, the, the Athabasca River, just so polluted. Oh, man. It's devastating. You can't, like the, we talked to one local who explained that uh, they recently passed an ordinance where they're allowing... They say you can eat one fish per month out of the river, but anything beyond that would expose you to excess levels of heavy metals. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's that's awful. Yeah, and then you go to the Ath- Lake Athabasca, um, Fort Chippewayan, and then there's people there we met that were saying they're pulling fish out of the water with four heads. Four? Or, I'm sorry, two heads, four eyes. Um, they're like... They're, they're taking down moose that are just like rotten on the inside from eating a bunch of polluted fish and or polluted, you know, biology. And uh, yeah, it's devastating. It's like eroding out the way of life up there. Man, that's sad. That makes me sad. Yeah. And the, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sad consequence of uh, expanding, you know, Mining for energy. Yeah, I know there are some other places, like one in particular, there's like a lake that if you go in there, you just get really sick and can die. It's so polluted and so unhealthy that you can't even get in the water. In Canada? No, 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 sorry. Different country. I think it's in Russia. Is it from like mining, like industry, stuff like that? I believe so. Something like yeah. that. It's sad. So, what are what are some things that we can do to preserve that land? Man, uh, I mean, small things help. I mean, 
Leave No Trace is a big one, mm. which Camp Kutcher Ching does follow. What And what is that? What is Leave No Trace? Uh, leaving every area that you are have been to the way it was. So like after you leave, it's like you were never there. So yeah. no trash. You try and not really leave any traces of fire. Um, you don't mess with moose moss, even though that was something we did back in the day to make more comfortable tent spots. Yeah. But moose moss takes a very long time to grow back, and it's not it's not very strong. It's not a strong plant, so you can't really mess with that. Mm. Um, larger scale, I I don't really know how we can other than just not expanding like I mean people are so materialistic and such consumerism goes on in this world that we can't we can't have that yeah not to this degree we gotta make changes mm. but yeah I guess on a micro level being mindful of uh, how you're treating the land when you pass through it and having that respect for the environment Mm -hmm. when you're camping Morals? I don't know. Yeah, ethics. Ethics. Living. You should know what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to not walk down the street and see a plastic bottle. Mm-hmm. Side note, though, did you see that more and more countries are trying to ban single-use plastics? Yeah. Yeah, didn't a country just pass some some law? I think. Banning single—was it Australia? Maybe, but I know China definitely is trying to ban all single-use plastics in the next 50 years or something. Wow, that's great. But other countries are definitely doing it too. Using algae. Algaes. More water in there. <laughs> yeah. Get a liter. Liter. Oh, liter hosen. That's <laughs> is that what they're called? Yeah, liter hosens. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it comes. That's really funny how. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, but when I asked Bobby that question, he said uh, it was grit. And then um, as a result of grit, you form these, fr- these lifelong bonds through going, you know, going through these challenges that we go through. I would ag- definitely agree. And you definitely know a person more or get to know a person more based if you're going through things that are really hard on you. Yeah. Like trips. We yeah. probably know each other better than any of our other like we probably are better friends and know each other better than college friends or anything like that because in college you just have fun with those people we've been through thick and thin that's that's damn right but yeah another takeaway is being a hard worker and honest yeah yeah that is a big one move a rock there or move a rock back over there that's a, that's a frequent camp occurrence, Camp Cooch thing. You, uh, we'll get these tasks, um, these big projects to work on, and, and the frequently recurring one is move, moving big rocks, <laughs> moving a boulder from the, the road here to over there in the woods, and then the next summer you'll come up and it can't be in the woods where you put it anymore, so you got to move it. <laughs> you got to move it a little bit further down the, the, bear, you know, the burn pile, down the bear trail. And then it can't be there the next summer because it's blocking the. <laughs> that stupid summer. 
man. And so there, there are different age groups and the highest one is senior camp. It's when you're about 15, six, 16, 17. Yep. 16, 17. And you, you do these projects and one of the projects that I was doing, I don't remember what projects you did, but I know at one point we were trying to build stair, a rock staircase up to cabin six. <clears throat> and so we ended up, which, so to get up to cabin six, you have to go around this long way because it's kind of up on a cliff. <sighs> and to make a quick way up to it, you have to, we were trying to build a staircase out of rocks <laughs> all the way up to Kevin Six. Yeah. Which would have taken probably about a thousand rocks. Right, right, right. And we can't use anything. It was all just, you can only use your hands and <laughs> non-electronic. Yeah. So like we would paddle out to an island where there was a <laughs> lot of slate and shale and we would just put rocks for hours into these canoes, paddle them back over to cabin six, yep. put them on the shore, and then go back <laughs> and get more. And the worst Classic. part is we never finished that project. Yeah. We ended up using those rocks to build a, a bulletin board. And oh, nice. Oh, nice. Well, the funniest part about that whole thing is they're tearing that cabin down. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, that, that cabin's going to be gown ski. Well, I'm glad there's no staircase there. Yeah. Camp is... Uh, Almost every summer, um, renovating the cabins. It's like and they'll focus on units, a certain unit for a few years. So intermediate and senior camp have seen the most recent uh, renovations. I think the next major one's going to be junior, junior camp. camp. Yep, they're adding a, oh. a new cabin. Where? I think like I don't remember exactly. I think like in between one and three. Hmm. They're going to do some. They're going to block that path. Yeah, mm. they're going to block that path that you brought all those rocks to. Put <laughs> <laughs> the cabin right on top of it. Well, at least they'll have rocks by there if they need to use them. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was the uh, hardest trip you ever went on? Oh, as a counselor, I think this past year. Really? Yeah, I took a. I led a backpacking trip a two-week-long one into the Sawtooth Mountains of Idaho. And it was, it, was, it was tough just because some of the campers were not up to par with the challenge. Mm. It, one, one camper in particular, who I won't name, was my project of the summer. He, was a, he didn't know how to sweep or make a bed or do anything really. And uh, he, I, I want to say he wasn't vetted <laughs> or asked questions about if he was able to do a backpacking trip. Um, but I found out halfway through that he had knee problems. And so really, we got to hike a lot. Yeah. You need your knees for that. Yeah, you do. Especially with a backpack on top. So most of the trip, we were walking less than a mile an hour, or he was. <laughs> and one of us would have to walk that slow behind him. And uh, my, my backpack was really heavy just because 
I had a 120 liter backpack, which is really big. It's a big bag. Normal ones are like 70, 80. Yeah, that's huge. And I had just all the, and yeah, Kier and I, uh, we were the only ones with our gear. So we had our tent, all of our food for two weeks, um, split between two people along with my med bag, the sat phone and all this other kind of stuff. And then along my personal gear mm. and my bag was about just about a hundred pounds. Dang. And we were, we were hiking from sun, sunrise to sunset a lot of the days because of how slow we were going and the mileage we needed to make. You know, and we did four passes as well. That was tough. Well, and what is a pass? A uh, pass is, um, the tr- so the trail will be in a valley or going along the side of the mountains and then a pass, you have to go up to the top. You got to get to the ridge or top ridge and then once you get there, you got to go back down to the other side. Mm. We did about four of those, and well, um, I packed, I packed great for the kids on their food because the numbers, the numbers were right. They were, they had plenty of food. But when it came to me and Kier, um, the packing lists only are made for sets of four and eight people. And so when I did the math for two people, it seemed right. Yeah, just cut it, cut the four and a half. Yeah, but uh, we had quite a caloric deficit on Ooh. that trip, dude. Yeah, those. So yeah, we get like uh, we get these packets that advise you on like how many what ingredient. Like we 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 are responsible for packing our own food. So like we'll get a packet in the beginning of the summer. It was like okay, you'll need X amount of ingredients for four kids or X amount of ingredients for eight kids. And one thing I found is that it's a little under what you generally need. Maybe for preps, it, it's like a accurate, you know, for the youngest age groups, it's the accurate amount. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you start getting to the older groups, it's not They're sufficient. Hungry. They're hungry boys. But yeah, like I said, the campers weren't hungry. They were all, they were all fine when I asked them. They, if they were full. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of time they wouldn't want to finish their meals, and yeah, when leave no trace, you either eat all the food or you have to bury it deep underground somewhere. Yeah, um, I mean, we took leave no trace very seriously because we were to wash our bowls. We would also gray water, drink the gray water, which is. You just pour some water in the bowl after you're finished eating, rub it clean, and then drink that water. Yeah. So tasty. <laughs> Extra calories. Extra right calories. There. But it was funny because, yeah, me and Kier were always so hungry. And we would just put like mustard and ketchup and random things that you wouldn't usually eat. And it tasted so good. And we thought we were getting more calories, but ketchup and mustard doesn't really have no, any calories. No, it doesn't. Um, so we would we would eat the kids' food if they could not finish it. Right, that's cool. So that made up. That for made some up for it. But yeah, I weighed myself at the end, and I lost like 20, 20 pounds or no something. No way. Yeah, that's insane. How long was the trip? Two weeks. I lost a lot of weight. Yeah, we we guessed that we were probably spending about 
burning about 3,000 calories a day, and we were only getting 900. A day? A day. That is crazy. <laughs> we were pretty hungry. I can't. Oh. You got my beach bod ready. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you gain it back pretty quickly once you got back to the island? Yeah. Beers will do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> a few of those. Or Seamus is cooking. Yeah. He told me this summer that his goal this summer was to make everyone gain like 30 pounds. So he fed us a lot of heavy, fatty foods. Was it good? It was pretty tasty, yeah. Nice. But I went to the salad bar a lot too because I didn't want to get fat. Yeah, get, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a cool part of the camp in the staff cabin. It's like a lounge for all the staff. Um, In the past like five years, we've started, we've served beer there and it's all tracked. No one... I think you're capped at like three or four a night, but people don't generally drink that much per night unless it's a special night. You work so hard throughout the day that you're just so tired. You might want a beer or two, but Mm -hmm. you're not going to want to get drunk because you got to get up at seven the next morning and be ready for a whole other day of strenuous activity, activity mentally and physically. (laughs) Rock moving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was... My favorite, my favorite class to teach this year though was projects. Oh, I loved teaching it with Downey. It was fun. Nice. We built. Uh, we we did a lot of maintenance, but we did build a new um, little shack by the gas dock. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it. This oh summer. no, I did see it because uh, at the end of our trip, we came to unpack everything. Oh yeah. Thanks for yeah. building that. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nice. Well, that's where the swimming class is going to leave their tubes and stuff now. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Wait, what about the old swimming shack? I think they're taking that repurposing. Down? Oh, repurposing. Repurposing or taking it down. Oh, that's interesting. At least that's what I heard. Yeah. I could be wrong. Huh. So they're going to do swimming class out of the like the gas dock? Off the gas dock? <laughs> no, they'll, <laughs> <laughs> they'll still go back to the swimming beach. Oh, good. Um where kids learn to swim and yeah. play basketball in the water. It's a cool part something. of the island. It's like a, we actually have a sand beach, two of them on the, them. On the primary campus. Yeah. Swimming beach is better though, less rocks. Yeah, it's secluded. It's like a little cove. Is that the right terminology? Little al- alcove or cove? Mm. Looked it up. We'll have to look it up later. But uh, yeah, and it's right next to a sauna. So you, uh, Swim in the cold water, get in the sauna, Man. heat up a lot, and then jump right back that's in the cold water. That's such a treat. So yeah. nice. That's the best way to sauna. It's a wood-burning sauna, so um, guys will usually go out there hours before anyone wants to actually sauna and, and like start throwing logs in there and getting the fire going. And it takes, yeah, a couple hours, and then after that, sauna's heated up. You go in there with a big bucket of water, toss it over the coals, and you're in for a, you're in for a heater. Oh, yeah. Got to get the top bench. If you yeah, don't have the top bench, you're not doing it right. real heat. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I miss that. I will miss it. Yeah, so you're not coming back this summer, huh? No, I'm not. I am trying to get a big boy job to save the planet. You, you said you something in petroleum, right? Uh, I had thought about it and I actually still might be doing petroleum. Um, 
But the company that I'm looking at right now has a lot of opportunity mm. for many different areas. So there's, there, there's still the cons- consulting and remediation of petroleum off properties. Mm. Um, but they also have a lot of, they have conservation programs and sustainability programs. And I've mainly worked with water for the most part um, after college. And so they might put me in a position that I'm dealing with water like cleanup or water mm. testing and or um oh man like i think there was something about researching about water sor- resources and like where they the origin they originate or where they start. like springs and like looking at wells mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah something like that yeah like doesn't Denver Denver gets all their water from up here pretty much the reservoir yeah Denver. not the continental we're on the other side of the divide but like around Frisco, Frisco right? yeah, yeah but I can't I can't remember the name of that reservoir but yeah I think that supplies all the water to Denver it's a lot of people that's a lot of people that's a probably a big pipe I'm I, I was wondering about that yesterday drinking the towel I'm like where did this water come from for here. Yeah. No, when I was in Denver oh, yesterday. Denver. Denver. I've, yeah. Yeah, just drinking tap water. Yeah, because like, there's no water down there, really. There's not a water in, a lot of water in Colorado. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing what we're the how we're able to channel yeah, everything. Crazy. Yeah. 50, 60, 70 years down the line, if we're running low on fresh water, this would not be a great place <laughs> to live, people. No. But uh, what's uh, what's your uh, what's your aim? Like, what do you like? If if everything went as planned for Joe, like, what would you be like? What would your life look like? Man, well, I want to stay in Colorado. <laughs> Can't blame you there. After I just said I don't. You shouldn't be here later on. <laughs> right, low on water. Water, right. People are buying up uh, properties on the Great Lakes because they're like, man, I'm thinking ahead. I'm. They're cheap now, but once once we have water issues, it's gonna skyrocket. And that place is gonna be very, very expensive to live. Wow. There are really cool other than the Great Lakes, there's so many like wells that people get water from, like in Michigan and areas around there. Wow. But uh I would like to stay in Colorado. Ideally it'd be awesome to stay in Vail. Yeah, I would love to stay in Vail, but I don't think I can get a position I want up here. I have to say, what a, what is it? I still really love the way our voices sound in these Dude, microphones. I know, right? <laughs> so nice. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a rare treat. It's a rare treat. Have you beatboxed in this yet? No, but should should we break the seal? Wow, that was beautiful. <laughs> you know what that should be? Oh, should that be the intro? That should be the intro. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> In the area, buckle, buckle, bowl. Zach. <laughs> <laughs>
Schiller. Hey. Have you added some new artwork to your house? Yeah, my mom painted this one. Oh, well, that's very nice. And then uh got these at the thrifty. <laughs> were those the ones you were pondering over for a yeah, while? And yeah. Called your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Exact these are the exact ones. I looked at another one. I'm happy I didn't get it, but it was a bigger frame. It was a it was like a huge boat. Do you remember that one? It was like a huge ship. It occupied like 75% of the picture. It was like a beautiful, in a beautiful ocean at sunset. And there was a dolphin like out of the water right in front mm-hmm. of it, just like dwarfed by the size of this like ship. <laughs> I don't remember it right now, but <laughs> I, if we went back, we might be able to find Dude, it. Dude, that thing is definitely gone. You think so? I mean, it's been like th- two and a half, three weeks. Man, should have bought it. I know Beach, Beach was really all about it. <laughs> he really was. Yeah, design on it. I have a big wall I need to cover in my room. The, the thrifty, dude. Go to the thrifty. Yeah. I have a lot of white space. Do you have anything up? No. Actually, I do have some artwork in the hallway. I just haven't put it up yet. Some weird Egyptian-looking stuff. and there, There is one cool painting of a girl, I think. I think it's just like a portrait. Oh, that's cool. Of her looking up and it's it's colorful and <laughs> it's cool. That's nice. Yeah, it's not like realistic. It's more like I don't know art, so was it like a like a like a tall photo or is it a portrait? Like a it's like a portrait. Square. Squarish, maybe a little taller than wide. Okay. Got it. Mm. But I thought about putting all those up, but at the same time I was like I don't know if I really want that vibe in my room. Yeah. It's a and, weird vibe. Dude, I'm I'm like I'm very minimal with the, my decoration right now. And like I think that stems from a a place of like I don't know how long I'll be here. But like I was talking to someone they're like, "Dude, fully move in to wherever you are. You know, make it home." So it, it feels like it. So it not feels just a like place it. here. Kicking it for a few months. Yeah. Just having that mentality. Hmm. I um, like that. Yeah, that that's the reason I put up these pieces, and I do want to fill it with more. I just need to acquire the art. Hmm. I guess the only art that I've brought to our house, it's not in my room because I wanted, to, wanted it to be communal. The big neon Modelo sign. Oh, that thing's awesome. That living room. That thing's huge, yeah. It brings a a lot of, it's a good ambiance. If all the other lights are off and that one's on, I like the light. (laughs) It's not yellow. It's like a, it's a, like a blue, it's a soft blue light. Yeah. It's very calming. It's like a, you guys have like a fun party house. And we've only thrown like one or two parties. Yeah, but they were both really fun. They were very fun. It was the uh, Christmas, well, there's the wedding party. Oh, which a wedding was party. Fucking awesome. We dressed up. We looked good that night. Everyone looked good. Really good. We had a good night. And the other one, uh, Halloween. Oh, yeah. Yep. Halloween. Those were the two. Another another question I asked everyone was um what's what's um something that you would like to say to your future self? Pre and post trip? Yeah. 
like uh, and I would, but I would, I didn't even constrain it to that. I was just future self. So like, Joe, what would you like Joe in the future to remember or to know or to keep in mind? Remember to enjoy the little things. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I feel like I'm a taskmaster. It's not like as much as Bram, but I think about things a lot and think about what to do or how to do things. And I can forget to enjoy mm. the little things wow. in life and to keep a positive attitude. Yeah. Which used to be. I forgot it for a little bit, but I'm remembering it again. What used to be? Uh, just being positive and enjoying oh. the little things. Yeah, yeah. Just, Easy going, going with the flow, kind of nonchalant. Hell yeah, dude. And then I would get the past year get bothered by just random things, random things that didn't really need to get worried about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that like stoic philosophy that's like, you know, take charge of the things that you're in control of and you need to let go of the things that are out of your control. Like you can't get mad if it rains because you have no control over what, what the right. weather's going to do. I like that. Yeah. And then um, having the wisdom to know the difference between what's in your control and what's out of your control. Definitely. But you feel like you get, you can get distracted by small things like hiccups along the way, like fixate on something that you know might not be going right or. Mm-hmm. More recently. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm trying to live a different way, go down a different path. Yeah. Be more positive and not get bothered by things. Yeah. Like that. Dude. Yeah. I, I can be that way, too. And fixate on things. It happened a lot on the canoe trip to the detriment of the group dynamic. Mm-hmm. I disappointed myself a lot. That was like a big, that was a big thing for learning thing for me. Like, I just, I, I like, like, for example, on the Yellowknife, um, there is this, it's called the Nine Lakes chain. Mm-hmm. And uh, my whole goal was to get to, like, you portage through all these nine lakes in one day. And it's possible. And like, after Lake Five, like, the guys were feeling pretty tired and it was starting to rain a little bit. But I was so fixated on getting to the end. And this is a little different than the small things, but this is my this how is more I like to it. Getting your mind set on something and not wanting to deviate. Yeah, not wanting to deviate. Yeah. And and like I, I I got really bothered when the group wanted to stop. Hmm. Um, yeah, it really bothered me. I felt like um I viewed it as like a weakness, I guess. And I just, I couldn't settle. I couldn't settle with it internally. And I had a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. And so it um, it wasn't healthy for the group dynamic at that time. And so I needed to f- figure out a way to get over it, you know. And then, you know, it turned out to be a good decision. We we got a break. And we had some time to dry out our stuff. Um, a lot of the guys in the group really needed that time to recover. And... uh yeah, that in hindsight, it probably was the best decision to stop mm-hmm. when we did. Because overall, you we were going to be well rested, better attitudes. Yeah, exactly. Going forward, 
I know, dude. I just, I just struggled with it. I just was like, I, I was so, um, so beat, I and mean, I was so like frustrated because it was so, it was like so challenging. I was like, I, I, I can't. This sucks. Like, this is so hard. I mm-hmm. just want to finish this. Right. Yeah. So now I know that I'm capable of doing that. It's like being like rigid. You know what I mean? So does it bother you, like, if you are starting a task or something? Would it bother you to not complete it right, like in one go? Um, it depends on like the how big the task is. Like I can, like a smaller task, I can, um, I can not be bothered by like a small distraction, interruption, or breaking the flow, whatever. Um, but like for like a like a bigger project. Yeah, I don't. I don't like. Have, I don't like the feeling of like delaying. I, I think it's because I used to be so like disorganized, and I felt so out of control, like things in front of me mm-hmm. that like I work. I tried working on it, and so now like I probably overcompensate for that. Time thing. That's what it was like on the trip. Like overcompensating for that weakness of mine. And um, yeah, ultimately, I'd like to find that that balance point of like, yeah, working towards finishing something, but also being at peace when it's like, can't, you know, need to stop, take a break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely have that issue. I think I like to finish things like right away or in one go. Yeah. But I'm very bad at like putting things in segmenting it or Mm. doing it in parts. I'm very bad at that. Like you, like, like in terms of procrastinating, like putting it off till. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I, it happened. It, I, that's how I did it in school. I would procrastinate and I'd do a whole project or something in one night. Or it was hard. It's always hard for me to start something. Yeah. But once I start it, you you just go. I need. I go, and I'm very diligent and focused. And, yeah. Until I finish. So what do you think? Have you improved in that area? Maybe since college. But, Maybe a little, but I mean, I haven't really. I actually, yeah, probably with the jobs I've had, I've had to learn to do things more in pieces because that's all research is mm. the contracts I've had. Um, I worked for, after Alaska, I worked for the P&G. Oh, yeah. And I did a contract job um, testing out a lot of different... I had to like develop and implement like a water system for their hair lab. So like shampoo in America from P&G makes your hair feel great, but because it's it's a hard water, there's more in it. And where like near the equator... The water's a lot softer. There's less in it. And um, it, the shampoo with that water makes your hair feel coarse and not wow. as good. And so my job was to, I had a pump and I did a lot of water chemistry. And I had to figure out to make it cons- consistent values of different water qualities so that we could start testing it with the shampoo and the hair. Mm. And then they, from that point past me, they develop 
products to be able to universally work. Well, with regardless of the water type. Yeah. Hard or soft. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. I don't know that part. That part's pretty beyond beyond me, your but, scope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, the water stuff is what I've been doing, and I definitely had to. It was, I was helped by the guy, my supervisor, but definitely it taught me a lot more about doing things more in pieces than yeah. all at once because we could get set back by not having chemicals or something. So I'd have to do something else. Yeah. Or, and then it's all data retrieval and st- like putting it into Excel and doing test or analyzing it and stuff like that. And, going back and doing it again. Wow. So it taught me better. Did you end up like creating, um, like in the beginning, like a master chart of like, okay, by this date we need to do, we need to have these things done by these dates. Like, did you break it down like that or how did you break it down? I did. Did you break it down? Not quite. It was... I would sit down with my supervisor and we would plan out things. Um, but I didn't like do a whole spreadsheet of breaking down certain, because sure. at some point you can only focus on it and then questions come up and you have to figure those out. Dude, yeah. And so, yeah. It was an interesting one. It was a four-month contract. Mm. That could have gone to six, but I guess... I completed my task early, so they didn't. And I was going to camp, so. Oh, nice. So it wouldn't, wouldn't have even been feasible to do six months? Uh, they would have found work for me to do, a different project maybe, but yeah. I pretty much did everything they needed me to do for that contract. Wow. And you were working, you were hired by P&G? Mm-hmm. You were contracted by P- P&G? Yeah, so I was contracted a DECO, a contracting company. I applied to them because P&G put contracts, con- contracts through them. Yeah. Okay. So you were so, like a subcontractor. Yeah. It would be pretty prestigious to work for P&G. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge company. <laughs> it's a big company. Yeah. But it's very hard to get in to there. To break into sure. that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Coming from Cincinnati, though, that's where they're headquartered. I'm sure you saw mm-hmm. a lot of P&G guys. Yeah, I was, I was in a... The brand new facility that they just built. Ooh. It was really cool. It's nice in there? Yeah. Very nice. It got a little boring sometimes, but. (laughs) And I also realized I didn't really want to work for a really big company like that after that job just because there's bosses on bosses. Mm. And you just don't feel like you're, you're not very important. Yeah, that was the bottom. And you, you and there's definitely that. a difference between like the contracted people and the people who actually work for P and G. I didn't really feel it personally, like to my face, but the other people that was in the lab with me, like they would talk about it because they had worked there for a while. Like the P and Gers, kind of looked down on the contract. Really? Yeah, it's a weird one. It's like a it's like a click mentality again, kind like of, from high school. That is crazy. But 
Yeah. I yeah, I also didn't want to do that though, because a lot of the people in there it's kinda like just the things that different interests. So it it's I mean, happy for them that they have their interests, but yeah. it just seemed really like a boring life yeah. to me. Because they Work was pretty much life. They were there all the time, and um, their interests like just seemed really boring to me. Yeah. And do you feel different now, like at your current job? Um, I definitely like living here and having. I mean, being able to live here and be so close to everything. Everything's so accessible. Right. Climbing and all my activities that I like, my interests. Um, but I wouldn't want to live or I wouldn't want to work doing those jobs forever. Yeah. Or more than a year. Just because um, it's just not enough money to actually be able to thrive and save and yeah. live out here. But and also the amount of time I put in, I work, I work six days a week, and uh, two of those days I also work another job. So I work thirteen hour days on those two days. Wait, where else are you working? I'm working uh, at DoubleTree as well, the hotel. Like doing what? Shuttle driving. Really? Yeah, it's it's relaxing to me. Wow, I, I had no idea you're doing yeah. that. So I'm working at the charter six days a week and the most relaxing part about that job is waxing skis but yeah yeah the other job is um shuttle driving so i drive people to the mountain mm -hmm. back and it's just nice because driving passes the time pretty quickly i get to look at the mountains all morning um i can open the window and actually breathe fresh air mm. and then i meet a lot of people and talk to them and so nice it's much it's it's nice and so you're not getting a lot of people interaction through the ski tech job it's a different kind of interaction because you're there to help them get all fitted and it's just that you talk about the basic stuff like where are you from and how often do you ski and you're when we talk to them in the shop, we're just trying to get a scope of their ability to ski yeah. pretty much. Where the shuttle is more personal and interesting because you're talking more about just anything. Yeah. You're not you're not just trying yeah. to figure out what size shoe they are. Yeah. I drove a guy earlier this week to the hospital to get um knee surgery. And he came here from Jackson, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And just talking to him was really cool because he's a really interesting dude. He, uh, he went, instead of going to college, he pretty much did a different kind of schooling for, um, it's like five years of training just to be able to do all kinds of backcountry stuff. Wow. And five years? It was like four it's like college. It's like four or five years of training. Nuts. Um, to like be able to do all kinds of backcountry guiding. Wow. So he takes out backcountry skiing, 
climbing and all this kind of stuff. And it was really interesting to talk to him. Yeah, that sounds like a super cool job. Yeah. And I saw him earlier today and Sergio went well. Oh, wonderful. So he's about, he'll get back into guiding soon, hopefully. Did he bust his knee guiding? Yeah. Yeah. He tore something or hurt something. So he had to get knee surgery. And apparently, here is one of the best places oh, nearby. Yeah. So, yeah, Stedman Clinic. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy last year working front desk at the Sebastian. All these like Olympians coming in because they have a partnership with the U.S. Olympic team. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you'd like, they have like a special tag on the reservation that says VIP incognito. Like, they don't want to be, they don't want to know. Yeah, they don't want you to like, you know, get the word out that they're here, you know. So, but like, we could see, like, oh my gosh, this person is like a famous curler, or like, you know, the top sprinter. The Olympic team, like all these crazy athletes and and then like football players. I met some guy from the Patriots. Just trying Jeez. to get in knee surgery, I think. That's wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I haven't really met any famous people before. Really? <sighs> Not many. Have you met any? Nick Offerman. Oh nice. Yeah. Where where'd you meet him? Uh he was, he came to a local bookstore because he, he's written some books um, about like one, there was one like about how he likes or like something about the presidents, what he thinks of them. Mm. Like not just recent, but like way back. Way back. Um, but there was another one, I think it's called, it's called Gumption and it's just about how to, he thinks people should live or something like that. Wow. Um, but me and Harry, my brother, um, went to this local bookstore to go get the get the book and get like meet him and get a signature, like a yeah, yeah. And it was he didn't have a mustache, <laughs> which was off putting a little bit yeah. at first. But uh, yeah, it was nice to meet him. He. He's a, I don't know, he's a hard man. Hard to man to read. read. Yeah. But I was also kind of intimidated just because oh, yeah. his stare is like, <laughs> you know, it goes right through your soul. Wow. He sees you for who you are. Well, But he gave, he gave like a little talk beforehand and it was funny because he was just, I used to have a video of it, I think, but I don't know where it went. But he was like cussing and saying pretty bad stuff. And he's like, <laughs> oh, there are kids here. Shouldn't have brought them or something. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to, whatever. You know, you're, yeah, yeah. Your fault for bringing them. Yeah. And then he was also like, me being one of those people, shit talking to people who had their phones out. Oh. Taking videos because he was like, "Why are you guys looking through that camera when you could be experiencing it in real life?" Yeah, like why waste it by looking into that screen? Yeah, and it kind of he, he kind of put it toward like in his book or in real life. Why live your life through screens when you could live 
the real thing mm. and actually enjoy it and remember it instead of having a little video to look at and you don't get the same feelings as you might have fully if you experienced it totally in person man being present wow not through phone did you read the book no <laughs> <laughs> but you remember the talk that's cool I should have read the book it's probably still somewhere I just wanted to shake his hand no mustache no mustache a lot of people were asking him that and I was like Harry don't ask him that we don't want to be with those be people those people right even though you were thinking it oh I was thinking <laughs> <laughs> but they get a lot of attention you don't want to Sometimes they just want to be treated like a normal person. The uh, thing that my most recent celebrity interaction was in Vegas. I was doing a road trip with my friend. We stopped in Vegas and we were walking um, across the bridge over the strip. And do you do you remember the D's nuts? Do you remember that guy? It was like a really famous vine. Whatever. I, I remember the, the vine. I can't picture the guy. Myself. This guy got famous for basically saying like these nuts, these nuts in like a really funny way, I guess. And a super like short guy. And uh, I said something to him and he's like, he looked at me and he said it, you know, these nuts. <laughs> and then I, I asked him like a follow-up question. And then he like he like said some shit to me, like shit talked to me. Or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he asked a question. Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. And he 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 was with like one of his homeboys, and uh, oh oh no he oh that's what it was. I like went up to like give him a high five. And then as I did it, like we're going in for it, he like pulls his hand back behind his head oh. and I miss, and he. He's got him or something like that is what he said. I was like, seriously? And then we were walking across the bridge and then um, he like goes up to me to give me another high five. And I'm like, dude, you, you already tricked me. I'm like, I'm doing it again. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was just really weird. And then, uh, yeah, fooled me once, dude. So, yeah, we we just, we we both went along our separate ways. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure he won a lot of money that night, you know, doing whatever he was doing. But uh, that was my celebrity interaction. It wasn't even like a big oh. time, big time celebrity. Man, yeah, I'm trying to think if I've ever been around any other celebrities, but I don't think so. Yeah, Nick Gepper. Who's that? He's a uh, Olympic skier. Hmm. Came out of where I grew up skiing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But he's kind of a punk. Really? Yeah. He like, uh, when he was, it was like training for going after the Olympics, he had like started throwing rocks at cars driving by near his property or something. And from what I heard, he like blamed it on stress from the Olympics or something like what? that. What? He, he's just like, just a lot of stuff like that makes me think that's he's crazy. a little punk. Yeah, that's crazy. Even though he's a great skier. Throwing rocks at cars? Yeah. <laughs> Stress relief? Yeah. Dude, what? Right? That's crazy. Not really cool, is it? 
No, <laughs> that's like lethal. Yeah, like, dude. There was a case not too, not so long ago. These like kids on top of a bridge, like throwing rocks. They ended up killing somebody. Like over the freeway, killed somebody. It was a big deal. Like they, I think they ended up in prison. Jeez. Yeah, it's just dumb. That's not stupid. A, yeah. Skip, skip them on a, skip them on a lake, dog. It's kind of, uh, it's not that hard to do the right thing and not do stupid <laughs> shit. That's yeah. That's like very clearly stupid. Unless your frontal lobe isn't developed. Yeah. <laughs> then maybe, maybe there's a. When Maybe we, that makes sense. When we were intermediates, I one time threw a, I didn't know this was going to happen in my defense, but it was a metal bug spray can I threw in the fireplace mm. when everyone was gone. It was just me and Tucker Dion. <laughs> I don't remember him, but <laughs> Tucker Dion. Uh, Dion. And uh, we kind of like walked away and then it blew up. Yeah. <laughs> and Jordan... Dunham was super pissed. Yeah. He was like, he was about to make us all run laps until we puked oh my on gosh. the big ball field in the middle of the night. Wow. Because none of us were owning, coming, up, to owning up to it. Yeah. And he went to the staff cabin to like, just like probably get a beer or something. <laughs> and I went and waited outside the staff cabin and like another counselor came by. I don't remember who it was, but he was like, what are you doing here? It's like, I, was, I need to see Jordan Dunham. <laughs> and he came out and I, I fessed up. Nice. And it worked out because he was, he was like, man, I really respect that you came forward and did that. Like, that's good character and I really appreciate it. I'm like, well, do you want me to run laps or something? And he's like, no, don't worry about it. You're fine. Wow. Like, wow. Cool. It's awesome, man. Love those lessons. Great life lessons. Seriously. <laughs> Good on Jordan. He he tells one of the the, the best scary stories. Ever. He's a great scary storyteller. Really? I don't remember that about him. Were you there? Were you there? That's uh, in two thousand nine in cabin three for that big sleepover when they threw a bunch of canoes in the door. Do you I, remember I, this? I wasn't in the cabin, but I, I was there. I think I, me and Jordan, uh, we bumped heads a lot mm. in my intermediate year. I I was kind of a a little punk, probably. To him for a while, just because like I was challenging his authority. Yeah, yeah. But it all after that night, it all changed. Wow. Because yeah, you respected him. I respected him. He respected me. At before that, I just didn't like him because I thought he was just like power tripping, and yeah, I was just challenging him. So we didn't like each other until then. No. Oh. And then I studied abroad, and he was living in the Netherlands. And we were supposed to meet up, but we never did. But yeah, you guys communicated, like attempted to link up. Yeah, over Facebook. That's I, cool. I didn't know he was there, and I guess he saw pictures from me and was like, "Hey, man, I'm actually here. We should meet wow. up." I'm like, "Oh yeah, definitely." That's sick. 
Holland, Netherlands is a they're forward thinking country. They're they're awesome. I wish we were more like them. In what way? Just the way they live is well, I guess many countries are healthier, but I just enjoyed living there because the bike lanes are like bigger than the car lanes and everyone bikes everywhere. So it's a healthy lifestyle. The groceries, there's not corn, corn starch syrup, corn syrup, corn syrup in everything. And like I would bike to the grocery store with my two little bags on the side and I'd get groceries every day pretty much to have fresh food and wow. um, they're very sustainable. They have a lot of their bike paths now are like uh, solar panels and stuff. Um, they're, they're just environmentally conscious and also very healthy and yeah. nice people. Oh, amazing people. I had one of my best people interactions um, in Netherlands. Really? Yeah. I, um, my neighbor growing up was uh, half Norwegian, half Dutch. And we once did a trip on spring break where we had half spring break. We were in Norway with his parents on that side, grandparents on that side, half the other half in Netherlands. Mm-hmm. In this small freaking town called Brokland, which in Dutch means pants land. Pants land. Dude, yeah. And it was like a... It was like a really small farming town, mm-hmm. super rural. Like I, I asked people from Netherlands about this, and they've never heard of this city. But like, no, dude, I never, I never heard of it. Yeah, I, um, and I was there for six months, <laughs> dude. Yeah, it's I can't even remember. It's the a big name. country, even though it's small, but it's big. Yeah, it's there's big. a lot of little places, but I can't even remember the uh, the nearest city to it anymore. But like, dude, the the people there were so goddamn friendly. It was amazing. Super. Yeah, and I I think for some of them, like I was the second American they'd ever met because they knew Nils, mm-hmm. who's my friend, and then like then they met me, uh, the second American, and like they were just so in, just so friendly and so welcoming, and there was like a local festival going on, and mm-hmm. they all like showed me around, and I ended up I like met a girl. Um, Anouk. Anouk. Yeah, and I remember like before we like departed ways, like we kissed and stuff. And like we ended up keeping in touch on Skype for years. Ooh. Like, yeah. She would try and speak English. She would practice her English. Interesting. I didn't learn any Dutch really. I tried. You did try to learn Dutch? Do you remember anything? I could read it a little. Really? Yeah. That's cool. I just, it was hard to speak. When did you live in Netherlands? Uh, my junior year in college, 20, 20, 2013. That's super cool. No, wait, sorry. That was, that's high school. <laughs> it was, uh, 2017. Oh, nice. I think. Yeah, I believe so. It was my spring of junior year. Wow. Yeah. I lived in a, a town called Namachen. Whoa. Yeah. They, that was my, it was hard to get used to, but my, my favorite thing that they do is their G's are like, yeah, I like the Dutch language. I never looked up what the town meant though, but it was a beautiful little town. 
not as touristy or big as Amsterdam. It was like an hour and a half south train ride of Amsterdam. Wow. And yeah, I I have some good pictures there, but I'll have to show you sometime. Yeah. But it was a really pretty, really pretty little town. And um we would go to the beach. There's a there's a beach on the river. Whoa. Because the river flows by. Wow. And uh there was like a one of my favorite things that I did over there was a like a bridge over the river that people walk over. I ended up jumping off of it into the water. And it was a big jump. How like how many feet are we talking? I think it was it was in between twenty and thirty. I think. Dang. It and was it like fa- was it a fast flowing river? No, it wasn't. It wasn't that fast. It was a big river. Um, but the part that I jumped, um, the beach is kind of like on an island in the middle. And the river splits. And so oh. like there's like a very trafficked area and a not so much trafficked area. Wow. But you still have to look because a boat could go by. <laughs> take you out. Take you out or you jump onto the boat. <laughs> that would have sucked. Yeah, that would have sucked. But yeah, my I was best friends with an Italian dude named Lorenzo. My man showed me how to roll the thinnest. Clean cigarettes. <laughs> Lorenzo. Yeah. Alicia from Poland. Wow. She was a great friend. Um, I still keep in touch with her a little bit. And wow. then uh, Sergio um, from Spain. Whoa. He, I actually talked to him two days ago. Really? Yeah. He, he messaged me saying like, man, I how much he missed me and wish we could hang out and stuff again. And I was like, Oh man, I wish I could definitely. I'm like next trip. I'm coming to visit you. Wow. Um, but we would, we all lived in the same little apartment complex, um, flats. Wow. Yeah. We all had the same like living area and like kitchen. And then we would have separate rooms. And so it was, it was very interesting. Um, but yeah, we'd end up going uh, pre gaming in our flat, and it like people would smoke inside, which is weird. Um, but we'd be drinking, and then we'd bike to the bars downtown. <laughs> wow! And then we'd be there until like six in the morning when they close, and we'd bike back, hammered. <laughs> no b what b u i's b. What? Not D, it's not a DUI. Oh, it's an OUI. What is it? What does that mean? Operate, operating under the influence. Oh, yeah. None of those over there. <sighs> it's a crazy law. Uh, yeah, I fell, I only fell once though <laughs> off my bike. <laughs> Did you get banged up? Uh, I ripped my jeans and like scuffed up my knee, but that was about it. Nice. And it wasn't because like we were, well, it might have been a little bit because we were drunk, but. It was mainly because Alicia was going next to me, and I thought we were turning left, but yeah. she was going straight across the street. Yeah, and so like I was about to hit her, <laughs> so I veered back away and totally. Dude, it sounds like you were drunk. <laughs> like you probably doubt if you were not if you had not been drinking, you would have realized like oh she's probably not going. But like 
She was supposed to do. Our place was left. Oh, so she was screwed. She screwed up a little bit. Yeah. Oh, got it. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Dude, that's, it was fine. That's cool that's that fine. you had a little international gang. Yeah, there were a lot of people though. I mean, those were just my best friends. Yeah. There was definitely like I helped. Uh, there was this Ukrainian guy living in my flat, and he was getting his master's in law, and like. I helped edit his dissertations and stuff like that because it had to be in English. And he asked me to like edit it and make sure all the English was proper, grammatically correct. And uh, after I did that, he would make me dinner and buy me beer and stuff. And we'd we'd have dinner um, in his his room. That's sick. It was a lot of good friendships over there. Dang. My uncle is a pilot, Jimmy Bauer. Bowers. Bowers is your cousin? Uncle. That's your f- first uncle? Yeah. No way. Yeah, he's my mom's sister or brother. What? Yeah. Dude, that's so cool. I had no idea. Oh, really? Yeah, I had literally this amount of ideas. Zero. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so cool. He he brought me up there the first year and uh I had really long hair my first prep year, really long hair. And during friendship dance at the end, he really pranked me. He chased me around the whole friendship ring and uh, chased me all the way through prep camp until I started bawling. And like they, they had pinned me down. It was like, I don't remember if Cleveland was there, but it was definitely Downey and some other guys and Jimmy, and they pinned me down, and they were about to shave my head. No way. But then Jimmy called my mom and was like, guys, I got to make sure she's okay with this. Oh, my gosh. And if he didn't call, I would have had a shaved head. Oh, my God. Because she was like, your mom was like, no. Yeah, she was like, no, because I was bawling. I was, I was so scared. I was like, no. No. He was in the cabin that one night, and... Yeah, because that was his cabin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cabin three when Dunham was telling that story. Yeah, he had the uh him and Dunham and the BB he had a BB gun. He accidentally killed a squirrel once. And then uh what was his name? Was it Dylan Hoglin? Yeah. Was like playing around with it or something. With a BB wanted, gun? No, the dead squirrel wanted to like Oh. He wanted to skin it and keep the skin and eat the squirrel or something. Oh, I, I kind of remember that. And Jimmy was like, dude, what the fuck? Why? I don't know. That's so weird. You're supposed to like pee on the pelt, right, to preserve it? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I was I just getting pranked. <laughs> I don't know. You might have been pranked. Uh, yeah. And then you got to like, it needs to dry. You got to stretch and dry it. Yeah. But I thought you were supposed to like pee on it to cure it or something. I don't know, dude. That's some shit I learned yeah. in junior year. There has to, you have to like, you have to scrape like all the, I don't know, but I feel like you have to scrape everything off before you can like do anything or else it'll just decompose. Yeah, get rotten. Gross. Get gross. Get nasty. Yeah. Make it nasty. You know, you you heard it here first. Red Lodge president, 
Joe Murphy. <laughs> Deadliest catch, shit. Joe Murphy. Here we go. Vail, Colorado, Joe Murphy, baby. <laughs> and that's another episode of In the Area. Y'all have a good night. Thank you.